0: This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media Thanks to the generosity of our supporters Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily Please make your donation today at vision.org.au Today on Leading the Way A word to leaders from
1: Dr. Michael Yusuf anyone who is a leader at home or at business or anywhere understands the importance of persuasion and the importance of motivation and incentives. But wise leaders know that no matter how persuasive it may be, it can never be a substitute for example and the life of example. I cannot lead without leading by example. No matter how much I would preach, and I can preach until I'm blue in the face, if my life is not matching my preaching, then my preaching is not worth half a hallelujah.
0: Thanks for joining Dr. Michael Youssef for his life-changing series, Discover Your Treasure House. Pointed reminders that many Christians are living in spiritual poverty, not fully experiencing the abundant life found in Jesus. As Dr. Yusuf begins, be turning to Ephesians chapter five. If your situation allows.:
1: You know, I am convinced that as our culture becomes faster and faster and more individualism sits in, we become less inclined to think of ourselves as role models. We get bogged down in our world and our businesses, in our affairs and in our things that are going on in our lives and we forget that we are first and foremost is to be role models. Now, whether we like it or not, all the parents are role models for their children. You are modeling for your children, whether you agree with it or not. You are. Whether we like it or not, Christians are modeling for non-Christians out there. Whether we like it or not, those of us in leadership are modeling for those who are following. Whether we like it or not, older Christians are modeling for younger Christians. That is a fact of life. Modeling is so powerful that we tend to not stop long enough to think about it because we realize that there is a responsibility we realize that there is a an overwhelming sense of responsibility that goes with that and so we live as if it doesn't exist or pretend that it's not there or ignore or avoid the fact that we are i know from my own life god has blessed me so incredibly in my christian walk and in my christian life and in my christian ministry with Wonderful models, models of godliness, models of faithfulness, and particularly faithfulness to the preaching of the Word of God, models of faithfulness to the truth of the Word of God, models of love and passion for the lost people that they may come to know Christ, models for prayer and intercession with God and be a prayer warrior. So many people God brought into my life who have inspired me by their modeling Christ to me. But as good as those who are role models for us may be, they are not a substitute for imitating the modeling of the Lord Jesus Christ. The best of those whom we imitate are not as impactful as the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to listen carefully. You know and I know that the motivation The business has become a huge multi-million dollar business today, but I don't want to get into that. But at least anyone who is a leader at home or at business or anywhere understands the importance of persuasion and the importance of motivation and incentives. I know that in the business world, people throw incentives like, you know, more money and more vacation or more retirement or more this or more that. Simply to get people to do what they're supposed to do. (laughs) But wise leaders, listen to me, moms and dads, and those of you in leaderships and businesses and in churches and elsewhere, wise leaders know that leadership, no matter how persuasive it may be, it can never be a substitute for example and the life of example. I cannot lead without leading by example. No matter how much I would preach here, And I can preach until I'm blue in the face. If my life is not matching my preaching, then my preaching is not worth half a hallelujah. (laughs) That is a fact of life. And whatever it may be, whatever leadership you're in. And that is why the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 5.1, be imitators of God. Be imitators of God. But you know, there's something here that I don't want you to miss it. Because you can say, be imitators of God and then stop. There are a lot of people who have different views about God. <laughs> and are we going to imitate a God who is a taskmaster and a slave driver and we are His slaves who are standing there in fear and in terror? No. Are we to imitate a God who is terrifying and threatening us and we standing before Him to, as a terrified servants? No. Well. We imitate a God who is remote and aloof and not involved in our daily life and we are like outsiders looking in? No, 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 no. None of that. That is why the rest of the text says as beloved children. Be imitated as a God. How? As a beloved children. And the word here, imitate me, actually the word from which we get the word mimic. In the sense he's saying, be mimickers of God. Mimic God. You know, we have been looking at the treasure house that we have in in Christ. And the very core of that treasure house is Jesus. And when Jesus is ours, everything that belongs to Jesus is ours too. His mercy is ours. His grace is ours. His forgiveness is ours. And because everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to us, becomes ours through Him, it is natural for us to want to imitate Him. You say, how do I imitate Christ? Imitate Him by extending grace to others. Imitate Him by extending mercy to others. Imitate Him by giving love to others, imitate him by offering forgiveness to others. In fact, verse 2, Paul zeroes in on this one most important characteristic of our heavenly Father that must be imitated, and he says, walk or live. That's when the Bible says walk means live. In love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself for us. Listen to me, this is the third time in this short epistle that Paul deals with this point. Why? Because he knew that by human nature, every one of us, we just want to love those who love us back. He knew that it is by nature we want to make our love to be conditional. That human nature the way it is that we withhold love from others as a way of punishing them. That human nature the way it is that we will give love to whom we think are worthy of our love. And Paul understood that and that's why he keeps on pounding on this matter. He keeps on pounding on this matter. And he says, if you are going to be like your daddy, you must love like your daddy. You know, When I used to do weddings in the early days, I would make it very clear to them. If they think that they're going to be romantically in love with one another for the rest of their life as they are now, they've got a big surprise coming for them. (laughs) I mean, I'm, I'm realistic. Why? Because romantic love ebbs and flows and sometimes even disappears. But listen to me, beloved. The loss of romantic love is never, never, never an excuse for dissolving a marriage. Because the love that God commands husbands and wives to have for one another is that of a willful choice. Romantic love enhances and beautifies a relationship, beautifies a marriage. But the love that God wants us to imitate Him in is that love that focuses on giving, not getting? It's the love that is self-sacrificing, not selfish. It's the love that God showed us in Christ when He gave up everything and became a man. And Paul is at pains to, to warn us that whenever there is a real thing, there is always, always. False imitation is ready to raise its ugly head. Whenever genuine love is there, listen to me, counterfeit love is nipping at its heels. Whenever God's love is established, Satan is right there with his cheap imitation of counterfeit love. You say, how can I tell the difference? Very simply, God's love is self-giving. God's love doesn't count the cost. God's love is selfless. God's love is self-sacrificing. Oh, but listen, here's how Satan's love is displayed on every single movie that you watch. It's selfish. It is self-indulgent. It's only given if there is reciprocity. And because it is self-indulgent love, it will always lead to sexual immorality. And that's what Paul is getting in here. He goes straight from commanding us to be imitators of God in loving like God, and he goes straight into sexual immorality. Why? Because he knows that selfish love, indulgent love, will always lead to sexual immorality. Counterfeit love. Oh, I've seen it. Oh, it destroyed many a marriage. Listen to me. It destroyed many a family. It destroyed many a home. Counterfeit love. It devastated many a child. Under the guise of love, spouses walk out on their spouses when they promise to love for better, for worse, and for life. That is imitating Satan's love, not God's love. Some of you might say, Michael, you don't understand. My marriage is dead. Let me tell you something. Jesus specializes in raising the dead. And he can raise your dead marriage now, right today. Let me tell you something. I lived long enough to see this with my own eyes. Those who have gone through the ebb and flow and the loss of romantic love, but persevered and hung in there and stayed in there, I can tell you there are people who will testify to you that when that happened and they look back, they thank God for their perseverance. They have greater bond, more joyous marriage, great relationship than ever before. Perseverance. That's what love is all about. That is the being imitator of God is all about. Don't give in, he said, to sexual immorality. Don't give sexual immorality a free reign in your life. Verse 3, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or impurity for, of any kind or greed. He's building up the case that it is when you love Christ, you want to imitate Christ, and therefore you'll be a model husband and a model wife. Regardless of the ups and downs, regardless of the temptations, regardless of the difficulties. Let me give you, I'm not going to say a use of translation, but interpretation, because it's not really quite translation, of verses 5 and 6. For this you can be sure, No immoral person or impure person or greedy person who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived by smooth talking on the part of some priest or some pastor or some minister. I take responsibility for my translation. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be deceived by a smooth talker who tells you that it's okay to be in an immoral lifestyle. Because the reality is this. God's wrath is coming on the world because of these very things. For the time being, God's grace and God's forgiveness is extended to everyone who will repent and turn to the Lord. But then when the justice of God is going to be revealed on the day of judgment, it will be open and public for all to see. Hear me right, beloved. There are Christians who indulge in sexual immorality, and they would say, oh, the grace of God will take care of that. Listen to me very carefully. Grace is not synonymous with license. Grace is a gift, but it's also responsibility. Grace is a privilege, but it's also an obligation. And while God forgives anyone, anyone would turn to Him, you could never sin beyond God's forgiveness. And when you come in repentance, God will forgive you because that's what He promised. But the Bible tells us that the sin of presumption is an offense to God. When you presume on the grace of God, is an offense to a holy God. Amen. As imitators of God, we love others like God loves them. We hate sin like God hates sin, and we live in the light with God. Verse 8 to 17. You know, the Bible gives us four characteristics about darkness. If you're taking notes, write them down. It's worth writing down. Four things about darkness that you can be sure of. Number one, it is the work of Satan. Secondly, it is the domain of Satan. And thirdly, it brings God's punishment and God's judgment. And fourthly, it leads to eternal darkness. Before Christ... Paul said, you were darkness, but now you are light. You notice that he didn't say, we lived in the darkness, but now we live in the light? You notice he didn't say that? He said, we were darkness, but now we are light. This is very important. I mean, don't miss it. It's not just living in the darkness and living in the light. No, no, no. He said, you were darkness, and now you are light. Well, what's the significance of this? Let me tell you something. When Jesus walked the earth, He said, I am the light of the world. But then before He went to be with the Father, He said to His disciples, you are the light of the world. He didn't say you are the reflectors of the light of the world, like you see on the highway reflecting the light. No, no, no. He said you are the light. You are the light of the world. If you are an imitator of God, you will not just reflect His light, you become His light. How do you know that you are in the light? Good question. You are producing the fruit of light. Darkness hides ugly things. Ah, but light exposes it and then cures it. Not just exposes it for the sake of exposing it, but it cures it. It heals it. It restores it. It makes it whole. Darkness does things in secret, but light operates in the open. Darkness produces concealment and subterfuge, but light is transparent and authentic and real. You know, I am convinced this is what Paul probably had in mind when he was writing those words in the Middle East, if you go to the bazaars, are very, very dark, even in the middle of the day. They're very dark. You can't see a little candle here, a little candle there. You know, now they have some light, but before then there was no light at all, just some candles. And so when a person goes in and buys some merchandise, whether it's brass or silk or whatever it may be, he would take that merchandise and he would walk, sometimes short distance, sometimes long distance, and then come in daylight and looks at it, examines it. Make sure it's brass, not iron. Make sure it's authentic silk. Whatever the merchandise may be, he want to make sure that it is authentic. And only the daylight can let him be sure of that. And that's probably what Paul had in mind here. If you are an imitator of God, that's how you should live. In the open. Transparency. Honesty. And Paul said, the person who's doing things in secret is like a person who's asleep in the middle of the day. Day in and day out. And that is why he says in verse 14, Awake, O sleeper, and rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Many believe That this was a song, or part of a song that was sung in the early church, especially on Easter Sunday. Verse 15, Therefore be careful how you live, as wise, not unwise. The Bible said that the fool said in his heart, There is no God, but the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There are so many people in our culture who confuse knowledge with wisdom. They really do. And they judge a person, oh, well, how much that person knows. Now, it's wisdom by which we judge people. Because we have a lot of people with a bunch of knowledge, very few of them have wisdom. That's why we're so frustrated in our culture today that we're not finding wisdom. And that's why Paul is making an issue here. It's an important issue. Because wisdom is applying the knowledge of the Word of God to a situation. Someone tried to estimate how knowledge has increased so fast in the last few years alone. He said that from the very beginning of history to 1845, he said knowledge was equal to about an inch. And then he said from 1845 to 1945, the knowledge increased to be equivalent to three inches. And then from 45 to 75, he said, knowledge increased to about the size of the Washington Monument. And from 75 to today, he said, the the increase in knowledge will be more than the Empire State Building. There's an increase in knowledge, vast increase of knowledge. But I want to say to you, the more we increase in knowledge, it seems to me, the more we become deficit in wisdom. That is why he said in verse 16, we need to make the most of our time here on earth because the days are evil. You know, I meet people all the time who said, you know, now in this this stage of my life, I just want to enjoy life. Now, beloved, listen to me. There is no true joy from sitting back in the sun. The only true joy that you're going to experience is by serving and by giving That's the true joy that comes in life. There are others running around in hyper activities and yet they seem to show nothing that's been accomplished. Just activities. Others are so burnt out that they're now doing nothing and they sit back and say, oh yeah, I remember. I used to serve. I used to be involved. Uh, Yeah, I used to do this. I used to be active. What happened? What happened? Has Christ's love for you changed? Has the call of God on your life ever changed? Paul says none of these are the fruit of light. But whenever you make the priorities of God to be your priorities, whenever your heart beats with the heart of God, Whenever the will of God is your will, whenever you have deep desire to obey the will of God and the Word of God, let me tell you with the promise of the Word of God that God becomes free to work in you and through you to accomplish great things from His perspective. Because sometimes you think people accomplish great, great things are only accomplished from god 's perspective. Are you light? and if you are, are you imitating? your Father in heaven. And if you're a person who have never received Jesus Christ as the Savior of your life, you've never really moved out of darkness, today you can say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I want to make my life count. I want to make a difference. I want to serve you with all my heart. Father, what an honor and a privilege to be called the children of the living God. And Lord, we know that the time is short and the days are evil and and we see the increase in knowledge and deficit in wisdom. And, and we cry to you, raise up godly men, strong men and women who are unafraid to proclaim your word. Father, we cry for wisdom. Oh, we've got so much knowledge, but Father, we want your wisdom. And so that the world may see and believe in you and turn to you. In Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef, passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth for more than 30 years. Learn more at ltw.org, ltw.org. Well, that music is our reminder. The time is up for today. Do join us again next time, won't you? This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef, passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth around the world. Learn more at ltw.org. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media.
1: To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.